the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. If it's Monday, we are delighted to host, as always, Brandon J. Weicker. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He's also the publisher of The Weikert Report. TheWeikertReport.com is how you can access it. Totally free. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. And, you know, I, I, I don't recommend sites that balloon you with a ton of ads and things that pop up when you really just want the story. That's why I promote Weikert's website. He doesn't do that to you. He wants to teach you. Brandon, thanks for being a great teacher and joining us, as always. Yes. Thank you for having me, and I'm glad that um, my lack of profit on this website is a continual uh, promotional uh, thing, and I will continue to keep it free for as long as possible. You, you, you know, my, my, my professor and, and someone you, you know of, he, he, he taught a little bit outside your, your particular field, but you know of, it's a good story, Harry Jaffa. Yeah. He, he used to say, like Socrates, I live in thousandfold poverty. Um, and, and yet he was the best teacher in America. You want a quickie, just a fun, quick thing about yes. decency in this world? Yeah. William Buckley was coming out to give a lecture in, at another college in Southern California about, an, about two hours away from Claremont. And due to a miscommunication, Harry Jaffa was going to go pick up Buckley and bring him back to Claremont. But due to a miscommunication, Buckley had his own uh, or had, a, had hired a limousine to do the same. And Jaffa shows up, as he describes in his station wagon jalopy, as the limousine pulled in. And Buckley, given the option, decided to uh, ride with Jaffa in the jalopy. That's, that's, that's just what real that's, teachers and decency does, you know? That's it's right. Good, it's that's a good right. story. Anyway, right. <laughs> you and I can live in <laughs> thousandfold poverty together. We'll share, we'll, we'll, yes. we'll, <laughs> we'll share a tent and some bread. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Brandon, there's a lot going on, I, and 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 of course we'll get to issues emanating out of China as well. But but it seems like Russia's making an awful lot of news lately, or yeah. if it isn't, should be uh, getting reported on a lot lately. Uh, Kamala Harris, our vice president, was asked about Ukraine's concerns about Russia while she was in France. And she said, well, it's all classified, um, but we're very concerned about it. You know, just like Churchill would have said. Right, right, absolutely. What, 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 it wasn't classified to the reporter who asked her the question, evidently. He knew about it. (laughs) Anyway, Brandon, what should we know about Russia and Ukraine? I can give headlines. Ukraine warns Russia situation seriously deteriorating, spreads up naval base construction. You take it from here. Well, basically, uh, over the weekend, uh, a couple of stories happened. Now, Western Press has not connected the dots, and I'm currently working on a piece that I'm going to submit. I don't know either to Asia Times or American Greatness, one of those two, uh, depending on who takes it first. But basically, I do the job of the Western media. Yep. So there, are these two st- there are these two stories. One last week, wherein uh, U.S. intelligence officials 
uh, had an emergency meeting with their counterparts in the NATO countries in which they warned our NATO allies in Europe and in Britain uh, that a Russian attack on Ukraine was imminent. And then over the weekend, uh, our astronauts who were on the International Space Station uh, received a warning from Houston saying you have to take shelter in the SpaceX Dragon capsule that took you up to the ISS because you might have to abandon ship. Oh, yes. This uh, is the story you were telling me about USA Space yes. Command. Right, right, right. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, the, the two events are related. Okay. Uh, what happened was our intelligence services, pretty much since Biden was elected, have been noticing a massive buildup by the Russian military along the border with Ukraine. Uh, since June, there have been a series of provocations, uh, both from British and Russian warships at different times near Crimea, which was the peninsula of Ukraine that Russia illegally annexed in 2014. Uh, and uh, because of these buildups by the Russians, uh, it is believed in the U.S. intelligence community that a Russian attack uh, on Ukraine to try to take more of Ukraine is imminent. And after that meeting, uh, the Russians decided to send a message to the United States and the West that we can screw with you in space where your critical satellites are. So they launched a surface-to-space uh, anti-satellite missile that created a massive debris field upon detonation. They took out a derelict Russian uh, satellite. Uh, and that debris field threatens the orbit of the International Space Station, which is why those astronauts had to board the, space, the, the SpaceX uh, Dragon capsule and potentially leave. Now, they didn't have to leave. They were able to avert uh, collision with most of the debris. But the problem is that debris field created by the Russian ASAT test is still a threat to the ISS as it comes back to that orbit. Uh, so these events are not happening uh, alone. They're happening. The Russians did this, I think, this ASAT test as a demonstration of deterrence, that if the United States and NATO tries to defend Ukraine um, from a Russian invasion, Russia's willing to go all the way up the escalation ladder and directly threaten American and NATO satellites, which are essential uh, to the, the uh, you know, a proper working of Western militaries and of American society. So what we have here is a very real risk of a world war. No one's talking about it in the right context, and that is what I am here to tell, talk to you about. So thanks, Brandon, for that, Brandon Weikert. So Russia's trying to send us a message. Right. The only conclusion I can draw from Russia trying to send us a message about us possibly interfering in, uh, in, 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 in their concerns over Ukraine, is that they actually plan to do something about it, the Russians? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. There would be no they're, point they're, in sending us a message if they didn't have right. designs on, I don't know, that's Kiev right. or now, something. To be, to be fair, yeah. they, did, they did a similar thing in 2018, but they backed off quickly uh, because both Britain and the Trump administration did some things uh, to send a counter signal that if you keep messing around with us, we're going to hit you back. Mm -hmm. um, the current administration, the Biden administration, while they've been very good about trying to maintain some of the momentum created by the Trump creation of Space Force, the Space Force itself has been rather listless and aimless since the new administration took over. Um, and so 
We have yet to see how the Biden administration will respond. I wrote uh, back in April when we literally almost went to war with Russia over Ukraine in April of this year. People may not remember, may not have realized I was writing about it at the Asia Times. Um, But back in April, I wrote that it's not worth, as much as I support Ukrainian sovereignty, and I do, it's not worth going to war with Russia over. At the same time, though, the current Biden administration has consistently uh, stated their intention to do whatever it takes to protect Ukrainian sovereignty. And yet, I don't believe this administration has taken the necessary action to send the signal to Russia that we mean business. And so one thing we could be doing is to demonstrate our own anti-satellite capability. This was something General John Hyten, you and I talked about. Oh, yes, 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 a week ago, right, yeah. This is something that he wanted to do in 2018. The Trump administration backed away from doing that. This is something, again, that General Hyten wanted to do in the last few months. He, The Biden administration backed away from that. Um, I think that would be one decisive thing we could do to send Russia the message that if you mess with us, we're going to hit you back. And it's not going to be pretty for anybody. So we better just let cooler heads prevail. But right now, Russia is doing this because they sense the window of opportunity in the same way that they sense the window of opportunity with Obama in 2014. Because they, they wouldn't have done this if Trump was president or, I argue, if a Republican was in office. Uh, but because it's Joe Biden, because it's the Democrats who are notoriously weak on Russia uh, and foreign policy in general, uh, Putin thinks he can get away with it. And he's probably right. Well, that begs this question, um, because in one of the ironies of our time, I was led to believe for the last four years <laughs> that the Republicans had a Russia problem. Right. And right. I was led to believe that because that's what the Democrats told me. Right. Listening to this outline of uh, current events, recent events, going right. back to the Obama years and even the kinds of aid Obama bragged about getting to the Ukraine – yeah. I'm just wondering if I can pose this on the break for you to answer when we come yeah. back. Is it actually the Democrats who have a Russia problem? Yeah. I wonder if you might yep. address that when we step back. Absolutely. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Brandon Weicker. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest, publisher of the Weikert Report and uh, and uh, a columnist for the Asia Times, among other things, author of uh, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon, just before the break, talking about these threats um, to, the U- to Ukraine from Russia, talking about what took place in space with the debris issue that you have connected the dots on, and also being reminded of the Obama tenure uh, with regard to Russia and uh, certainly Ukraine. Uh, we 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 were told we were told again and again and to this day that the, all roads with the Republicans lead to Russia 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 and it's turning yeah. out to be another example I think of projection if 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 you agree yeah. with me if that's not too strong to say I I think the Democrats seem yeah. to have a Russia problem. Well, it's it's absolutely true. Um, the, the- about the Democrats is that they may talk tough on Russia, and they do, but their actions usually undercut the talk, which creates a degree of confusion not only among our allies, but also among the leaders in the Kremlin, 
because then they're going, wait a second. They, they like to humiliate us verbally, these Americans. They like to make us look bad. They like to embarrass us whenever they can, ding us on our human rights record. Yep. And, then, and then they turn around and leave a wide open space for us to invade. Of course we're going to make them look bad through our actions. And that's the Democrats. Now, the problem with the Republicans is uh, the Democrats have hit us so hard for supposedly being the pro-Russia party, which, of course, we are not. Uh, the problem is now, though, when you try to get, for instance, in my case, an article published in a right-of-center publication uh, warning about the Russian military threat, a lot of times that article will not get picked up because the audience no longer wants to hear about Russia because they, they are so used to the Russia being used as a cudgel by Democrats. Oh, there is only one lane for the Russia story. You I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the problem that Republicans have, but that's a much smaller problem than the Democrats, who have actually been very bad for this country in terms of Russia policy. We have gotten out of Democratic president uh, a simultaneous uh, pushing Russia away, while at the same time not doing enough to strengthen our defenses and those of our allies in terms of defending against any potential Russian aggression. What we should have been doing was actually what the Trump administration did, which was we were nice to Russia in public. We tried to keep things on an even footing. And behind the scenes, if Putin did anything, we killed 400 of their soldiers, as we did in the uh, Deir Azor in Syria back in 2017. Or we give, we give actual military lethal aid to the Ukrainian military uh, that, that deters Russia from invading the entire time that Trump was in office. Right. You know, we actually did things under Trump that toughened the resolve of our allies as it related to standing up to Russia, while at the same time we played nice with Russia in diplomatic settings. Yeah, but we gave us, yeah, but your point is well taken. There's something that we didn't do also, which was we didn't speak softly. Um, we, right. we, we, we spoke, we, we spoke, I mean, it was clear that you didn't mess with Trump. It's not clear that you don't mess with Joe Biden. In fact, it's clear right. you can. Well, the first thing, well, Seth, the first thing that Putin said after congratulating Joe Biden on his win was he turned around and went on Russia today yeah. and started making derisive comments about Biden's mental competency. Right. That was the first thing that was in his first statement to the international press about Biden's election. After he congrat- gave the perfunctory congratulatory message, he then turns around and starts making comments about the, the mental state of our new president. Oh, I'm not but here to tell you Putin you. lies all the time, Brandon. Right. right. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you everything he says. Right, is false. right, right. right. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you how badly our leaders look in the eyes of Russia and China and Iran, I don't know what will, because there's no fear when our leaders are, when Biden meets with Putin or Xi, well, Xi won't even meet with Biden. But when Biden meets with Putin, there's no fear. In fact, the first meeting that Biden had with Putin in April of this year, Biden gave away the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, thereby ensuring that Germany and Europe would be forever dependent on Russian oil or natural gas. And so this is a president who is saying one thing, and then doing the absolute worst opposite things when it comes to Russia, which will lead to a war with Russia, because Russia thinks we're not going to stand up. And God help us if we do decide to stand up, because it's going to be when we're getting attacked, and it's going to be from in a, in a time and place not of our choosing. Brandon, uh, when the Vietnam War was coming to a 
close. There were a lot of arguments made on the justness of it, the injustice of it, the rightness of the cause. Maybe it wasn't the right cause. That that debate raged. There was another ancillary right. debate that may have been actually more important, which is what does it mean to U.S. allies if we right. withdraw? And what will that mean going forward with U.S. enemies or our allies' right. enemies? Scale of one to ten, ten being terrible, one being, you know, we can live with this perfectly fine. The Afghanistan withdrawal, which is nowhere in the news anymore and may not even yeah. make the history books the way we're going. Scale of one yeah. to ten, how how did our withdrawal from Afghanistan, the manner, the way, the fact of it, affect that secondary argument? Uh, I would say if we can go old school McLaughlin group, I would say it was 14 ontological certitude oh, wow. uh, uh, that this weakened the United States. Um, that this weakened the United States in the eyes of our friends and foes alike to the point that not only is China now sending propaganda messages to Taiwan that the Americans won't have your back, but Russia's doing the same to NATO countries. And then you reinforce that with the fact that, that Biden gave in to Russia the first action of his presidency as it related to Russia was to give in to Russia on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, uh, which is a true game changer. Uh, uh, the Russians, they don't just think, I think they know that the Biden administration, like Afghanistan, will not have the backs of, of our allies in Europe or in the Middle East, uh, which is why Moscow is behaving the way it is. They do not fear American military reprisal. This would have never happened 20, 30 years ago, Russia doing these anti-satellite attacks. And the reason, or, or threatening uh, even a non-NATO member like Ukraine, and the reason that they're doing this is partly because of those images of Americans fleeing for the exits in Afghanistan. Again, I think we needed to draw down, but the manner in which yeah. we did it was so absurd. Um, you know, it, it, it almost wonders, you always have to wonder if it was done purposely, it was so bad. Uh, you know, the level of incompetence displayed by the Biden administration, you know, is staggering when you think about it. Um, and so the Russians and Chinese and the Iranians uh, are looking at this going, well, the Americans might really be on the way out, not just of the, the world stage, but they might be a power in terminal decline about to collapse, and we better take our pickings while we can. Do you think the Democrats want that? Possibly. That's what I think, too. I think half of them may. I think yeah. half of them may. Let's pick up on all this when we come right yeah. back. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Brandon J. Weikert. TheWeikertReport.com. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Uh, he's happy to take your calls, too. 602 A lot more coming right up with Brandon Weikert. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report. You were talking about, Brandon, just before the break, we were talking about uh, America and, the, and, and her allies' defense mm -hmm. uh, being in decline, managing, possibly managing, managing the decline here. And I was just thinking a little bit about budgets and defenses yeah. and the sig and defense budgets and the signals those kinds of things send. Mm. The Biden administration is giving an average increase of 16 percent 
to every federal department other than defense and homeland security. Are we spending the well, right amount of money on defense, and are we spending it smartly what we are well, spending? I, I've said this since my time in government when I lived through sequestration. It's really not a question of how much money. It's a question of where that yep. money in yep. the defense budget is going. Good. And when you really get into the weeds, you find that America's warfighting capability is not being well-funded or well-served. Uh, they spend a lot of money on things we don't need. Uh, they spend a lot of money probably on things we shouldn't need. Uh, and uh, not enough money on things like submarines, which will be the tip of the Navy spear should we go to war with China, which is really a question of when, not if at this point. Uh, we don't spend enough money on space. Uh, we created a space force, but it's the smallest branch of all five branches. It's also uh, having some significant issues organizationally. It is a listless, aimless branch, as I said earlier in the program. I am very critical of it nowadays because it's just not doing what it's supposed to. Uh, it's almost like it's designed to fail. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we don't spend enough money and we don't have a, a, a policy for protecting our electromagnetic signals, the EM spectrum. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a robust enough cyber warfare or cyber defense capability or strategy. Uh, those are some of the areas that we probably should be spending a boatload more of money on than we do. Uh, and we probably should be looking at cutting some programs, legacy programs. We built the F-35, uh, which is sort of like, uh, you know, it's the Toyota, great car, but it's the Toyota now of, of, uh, of, of, of fighter jets. We really needed the Ferrari, the F-22. We cut that capability in 09. Uh, we can't reconstitute that air-to-air superiority fighter that we, we needed to fight a near-peer rival like China or Russia. So we've settled for the F-35. Uh, there's one major production facility uh, that can easily be knocked out by a Chinese hypersonic missile attack, which you and I talked about last week. Yep. Uh, and should that production facility be taken out, which it likely will be, in a war, uh, we would not be able to replace those very expensive fighters uh, and would likely not do well in dogfights because the F-35 is not that great of a dogfighter, in my opinion. Uh, so so we, we should be spending less money on that program and more money on things like uh, viable space-based missile defense, things like shoring up our EM spectrum, things like creating a better, more robust, cyber warfare capability, uh, you know, building out the logistical uh, capacity to uh, build larger numbers of submarines for cheaper, things like that. But we don't spend the money on it. So that's really our problem as a country. It's not a question of do we spend enough. It's a question of are we spending that money in the right areas? And the answer is over many years decisively no. And now that we've had that compounding lack of proper spending for the right programs, you now have two rivals, China and Russia in particular, who can effectively challenge us militarily, and we can't really fight back. Um, the missile defense thing we did talk a little bit about uh, or in depth over the last couple of weeks yeah. uh, a, little, a, a, a bit. And I was just I was just put in mind of something I had forgotten in our previous conversations, and it's an old conversation I had with Brian Kennedy. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and and the and and it's probably a ten year old conversation. Um, I, and I should ask him, but I remember asking him once in his estimation what it would cost to have a, you know, what it would cost to have a a, a comprehensive missile defense program. He said people don't realize how inexpensive it actually could be. Yeah. Somewhere on the order of twenty five billion dollars a year for five years. Now I don't know yeah. if that was an underestimation, and I know prices have changed. But it really wouldn't, you know, costs have gone up. Well, well, even if we're looking at a trillion dollars, look at the way that we're throwing that keyword around yeah. for the most, you know, this is something we actually need. I'd be willing to spend $3 trillion. There you go. There you go. There you uh, go. I don't think it would be that much, but I, I do think it'd be more than $25 yeah. trillion. Well, I think um, probably but, given, the, given the way the world has yeah. changed since then. And the way that the bureaucracy works. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but yes. And, and just oh, let me hit this break. i got to hit the break. Yeah. Let me pick up with you on the other side. I apologize. Yeah. This came fast. We'll no, be right back. Fun. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. You'll like this, uh, Brandon, a listener just emailed over the break. Uh, thank you for the news from Brandon. It's not heard elsewhere. He then says, asks, are we going to learn the cost of not having missile defense the hard way? That's our fear, isn't it? That is our fear. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a question of when, not if. Um, uh, you know, we're, we, are, we are playing with fire every year we go without a viable space-based missile defense system. I thought getting Space Force would finally be what was needed. But the bureaucracy uh, effectively restrained that creation to such a point that it's now nothing more than a diversity program. Um, I don't really know what Space Force's mission is. I'm not allowed to talk to them. They don't want to hear from me about space dominance. That's a bad word to them. I don't really know what they're trying to do. So, um, Well, if you're an enemy of the United States or an opponent of the United States, if you're China, if you're Russia— if you're another state, perhaps uh, rogue elsewhere in the Middle East, you you kind of look at the landscape and you kind of look at the map and you look at the ground. The map and the ground seem to kind of be in concert, seem to agree. And and, right. and, and you look in it at an administration that that is not taking the space issue seriously. You look at an administration that is not taking the threat from jihadism seriously – you look at a situation where this country is not taking the protection of its own people in country seriously, its own soldiers in country seriously. Right. It's not taking its allies seriously, and it's wanting to re-enter talks with enemies. It's not really that hard to divine that the United States may not be there for an ally that an enemy right. of ours may have well, its sights on. If we keep at it, the United States may not be here at all Right. Uh, at this rate. Uh, just remember, you know, the, the importance of moral clarity in, in policymaking. Uh, you know, it was George Washington in his farewell address that urged his successors to not only avoid the entanglements of Europe, but also to always seek uh, moral justice whenever one could in the, in the application of American foreign policy. Um, we have a president and a leader, uh, a, a political class. It isn't just Democrats. It's a lot of elected Republicans, a lot of permanent, you know, Washington, D.C. types in, in, uh, in the Republican Party uh, as well, who simply have lost all sense of moral clarity. Uh, and it's why you have 
the political class in this country completely fine with, you know, the the, the economic situation uh, presently, completely fine with uh, container ships. When I flew out of L.A. last week, the pilot took us out over the Pacific, uh, and there you could, as far as the eye could see, was a line of container ships just waiting to be let in to, to drop off their stuff. They had been there in some cases for months, waiting off the coast. Uh, this is this is a lack of moral clarity. So when we look at our foreign policy, we seem to have trouble discerning the good guys from the bad guys. We seem to have problems, you know, loudly standing up for what what's in our best interest, or in the you know standing up for the little guy. In this case, uh, you know, like Taiwan or even Ukraine, uh, uh, we it's or Israel, certainly Israel. And it's because we are led by people who lack moral clarity. You asked earlier, going out of one of the breaks, about the uh, you know the funding of the military. Right. First, uh, one of the things to keep in mind is Madeleine Albright, the doyen of liberal foreign policy yep. right now. Yep. Uh, Madeleine Albright, Bill Clinton's Secretary of State. She was famous for saying that America, uh, uh, she, she, she thought it wasn't right that we were the indispensable nation that's right. that we needed to be cut down to size that's right. because that it created a lot of discrepancies and dislocations uh, in the rest of the world, that it made the rest of the world depend on America too much. Well, I actually think it's good that we're the indispensable nation. And I think Yeah, the only people that agree with Madeleine Albright are our enemies, and the only people who disagree right. with her are our allies. Right. And yeah, so I, I think that's, that's important that. to note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I thank you for that, Brandon. And 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 it's it's a funny thing you say. It's a, it's it's a worrisome but very real thing you say when you say I keep talking about our allies. You're talking about America itself, um, you know, under peril and threat. I, I, I you take these leaders, you know, and 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 we we just i think we don't focus enough on what their intentions are it was very easy i guess it still is today to pinpoint uh, our concerns about iran and its ever present threat vocalized that they want to eliminate the state of israel but right. what people often neglect to say is they say the same things in somewhat less volume about the united states I remember when Ahmadinejad oh, yeah. held a conference imagining the world without America. Right. It is right. not something that we have to put exclusively on the shoulders of our medium and tiny or large allies. It's yeah. about the United States. Right, right. And something tells right. me if Russia were giving aid to Israel, Iran would be a little quieter about Israel. Absolutely. Oh, Russia, yes. Russia or China giving greater aid to Israel, suddenly Iran gets a lot quieter. And it's very interesting, um, before he left office, Netanyahu was threatening uh, the, the Americans by saying, hey, look, you're taking a step back from the Middle East. We have to live here. Right. So if we have to pivot to China and Russia, we will. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's a problem for the U.S., obviously. But you can't really blame the Israelis on some level. Because not only is America looking to extricate itself from the Middle East, but it's also seeking to hand the region not only over to Russia and China, but particularly to Iran, which is a huge problem for Israel. So they have to do things to protect their national interests. It makes no sense why we've been behaving the way we've been. 
unless we're led by people who really are not um, pro-American. We have leaders in America who clearly don't like America and who are incentivized either financially or ideologically or both to do real harm to America's presence and power on the world stage, and it shows. It's always been curious to me, and not, not many people talk about it, and, and it's this. If Israel is the first target of Iran, if Israel is under an existential threat from Iran, it's kind of interesting that Israel doesn't seem to want to try to reach a nuclear deal with Iran. It's kind yeah. of interesting, isn't right. it? Because right. they know what that deal means. They know what that, that means deal quicker means. extinction. It's Munich yeah. 1939. Exactly all right. Over again. Exactly and right. Only, only, only the difference is they're not just going to be bombed. They're going to be, you know, massacred the way that Hitler tried to do to the Jews, which is what this is the fear on the part of the Israeli leaders. I wonder, by the way, if Munich is taught anymore. I just no. wonder. <laughs> Brandon, you are so good and so great. We didn't get to China too terribly much. I did want to talk to you about your column on it, but maybe we can save that for next week. Is that possible? That's always possible. All right. Well, we know next week is a doable, is is a guarantee. So we'll remind, we'll make a note to to talk about how Red China aims to go green without going broke. Clever title, by the way. (laughs) Brandon J. Weicker, bless you, sir. Godspeed. All right, you too. Good night. We'll talk soon. We'll talk next week. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. I was uh, going through a um, an, uh, a friend's library, and I discovered a book that um, I hadn't seen in forever. 1962, I believe it is, 1962 book from Milton Friedman on um, capitalism and freedom. And uh, I was thinking about our inflationary moment and how we could all use a little more Milton Friedman these days. I just got to play this uh, this from you. I found um, – it, it, make him the cha- – <laughs> him, he's passed. <laughs> make a disciple of his, the chairman of the Fed. Listen to Milton Friedman. Yes, sir. In a recent interview of U.S. News & World Report, uh, Secretary of the Treasury Blumenthal uh, blamed our current rising inflation uh, in a large part on our foreign trade and unions. He did, however, say that the government was little to blame. Would you like to comment on that? Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is one of the defects of our political system that we always put a Secretary of the Treasury and other high government officials into a position in which when they make public statements they are almost driven. Well, what's the word I want to use? I want to use a polite word, equivocate. Secretary Blumenthal knows as well as you and I do that inflation does not come from trade unions. That doesn't mean the trade unions aren't grasping. Of course they are. But they don't produce inflation for one simple reason. They do not own a printing press on which you can turn out green pieces of paper. The only such printing press is in Washington. I say printing press, of course, in the modern age, we do it in a more sophisticated way. We use bookkeepers and accountants and computers. But it comes out of the same thing. Inflation is made in Washington because only Washington can create money. And any other attribution to other groups of inflation is wrong. Consumers don't produce it. Producers don't produce it. The trade unions don't produce it. Foreign sheiks don't produce it. Oil imports don't produce it. 
What produces it? It's too much government spending and too much government creation of money and nothing else. Yes, sir. Are you happy with, uh, with our uh, efforts right now to curb inflation by spending much more money than we have, including having signed the infrastructure bill today? By the way, that, um, that infrastructure bill, which has been talked about and talked about and talked about, I'm wondering, check me out on this. Fact check me on this. It's a projection. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a prediction. Check me on this. As big a thing as this was made of, do you think it'll be news by Wednesday? Here's what'll happen by guess. My guess is Tuesday tomorrow it'll be in the papers, and then it will receive no commentary. We'll be on to the next crisis. I can't tell you what that is because I don't have the phantasmagorical dream palace of the left. I can't invent the way they do. I'm just not an inventor. But I'm going to bet it's something else. They'll, them having won this one. We'll, we'll be tying our shoes trying to figure out what's in it. They'll be on to the next thing. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.